men thus speak blasphemies. Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Amen. Jesus caused a great stir in Capernaum the first time he visited after beginning his ministry. Matthew 4.13 records he had recently moved there. On the first Sabbath, after arriving back in town, he and four disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, went to the synagogue where Jesus was given the opportunity to teach. His teaching astonished the congregation. They had never heard anyone teach like him before. But suddenly Jesus was interrupted. A man cried out, but the voice wasn't human. A snarling, guttural, demonic voice shouted, Let us alone! That's my best guttural voice. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. The crowd was stunned. They were expecting a nice service at synagogue. Not an encounter with a demon. That would preach right there. Jesus had already amazed the crowd with his teaching. He amazed them even more with his power. He calmly looked at the man and commanded the demon, Hold thy peace and come out of him. Immediately the demon came out. The crowd had never seen a man demonstrate such authority that a demon would obey a human being, just because he told him to be quiet and leave. The congregation had a lot to talk about at lunch. Later, Jesus gave them even more to talk about. When the service was over, he went to Peter's house and found Peter's mother-in-law sick in bed with a fever. With a simple touch, Jesus healed her. News quickly spread of this miracle and of what had happened earlier at the synagogue. That evening, the whole town gathered where Jesus was and brought all who were sick or demon-possessed to him, and Jesus healed them all. Actually, there was at least one paralyzed man in town who may not have been carried to Jesus that evening. This paralytic heard of how Jesus miraculously healed so many in town. He knew he should have been happy for those healed, but as he lay on his bed, staring at his lifeless legs, perhaps he only felt bitter regret about not being healed himself. Maybe his regret increased when he heard Jesus had left town that morning. There would be no healing for him, at least not any time soon. In that bitter moment, he resolved he would not miss another opportunity to be healed the next time Jesus came to town. That's a message too. What do you think the paralyzed man thought when he found out others were healed, but he was still paralyzed? What do you think ran through his mind? I know what I would be thinking. One of two things. Envy or regret? Depending on who I thought the fault laid with. 
I would probably think the fault laid with me. So I would be regretful. I should have done something more. I should have called someone to, to get me there or something. I could have done something. But now it's too late. When Jesus is moving, church, when Jesus is present and He's here, avail yourself of that opportunity. Don't let it pass you by. If you need something from God, get it. Get it now. Don't wait until tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We have now. After leaving Capernaum, Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. He finally made his way back to Capernaum with his disciples and went home. Someone knew it out Psalm began to spread the news that the miracle worker was back in town. For long, someone was knocking on Jesus' door. Then another. Then another. For long, so many people showed up to hear him that the crowd spilled out through the door and out into the streets. There was no room anywhere left to hear Jesus preach. Anyone else? They just have to wait for another time. There's just no room. Soon someone came knocking on the door of the paralytic's house. Four of his friends came in shouting, Jesus is back in town. We've got another chance. So they each grabbed a corner of the bed and brought him to where Jesus was teaching and saw that there was no possible way they were going to get in to see him. There's just no room. But they had missed one opportunity to receive a healing. They weren't going to do that again. They weren't going to miss another opportunity. There's got to be a way. So as we all know, they decided on a pretty crazy plan. Now we've read this probably several times before. And uh, maybe we, we don't stop and think too much about what all that entailed. What, the, what, the, what that meant to people in that time and day. It was a desperate plan. I wouldn't want someone tearing a hole in my roof. I'm sure they didn't want a hole torn in their roof. But that's exactly what they were about to do. And they knew that. They knew that this would probably not go over very well. A typical roof in Israel at that time was flat. Wooden support beams were put in place, matted branches laid across the beams, and a thick layer of clay was piled on those branches. So they would have made a very loud noise and a huge mess digging through all of that. That would have been some work, folks. A job of work. Finally, they made a hole big enough. They lowered him down and set him before Jesus. At this point, never had anyone expressed, demonstrated this kind of faith. The Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. And I don't think He saw their faith because He was Jesus. He perceived it in the Spirit. I think He saw it with His own two eyes, along with everyone else. 
they tore a hole in the man's roof because they expected something from Jesus once they got there. If they weren't expecting and believing so powerfully, do you think they'd have torn a hole in the man's roof? Absolutely not. They wouldn't have risked that. They didn't care. They knew what they were about to receive. So when Jesus saw their faith, Mark 2 and 5, He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Maybe a bit of a disconnect here, Jesus. I'm not here for forgiveness. I'm here for a healing. I need a healing. Is that what you really need, though? Isn't it interesting? When you pray for something, pray, 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 this is what I need. Jesus, if you could just give this to me. And God gives you something entirely different. Or God says no. Or God says wait. I need it right now. You know you need it right now. But God tarries and tarries and tarries and tarries. And then finally answers it with something else. And it turns out to be the exact thing you needed after all. Doesn't Jesus know better than we do? What it is that we have need of. He sure does. And interestingly enough, a little bit later in this, we are going to be talking about some divine healing. But, for the moment, the man's most immediate need and our immediate need is always spiritual healing. If we go into the afterlife completely broken body. Does it really matter if I'm saved? Of course not. We all understand that. Now, at the risk of getting ahead of myself, you know how I feel about divine healing. I love divine healing. I think we have a promise of divine healing. I think we need to preach it and teach it. We need to practice it. We need to expect it. However, that is not the most important thing in our lives. I want to go on record there as well. If I don't receive any natural healing in my body, but God heals my spirit, He forgives my sins, I'm good. I don't need anything else. I want a lot of things else. And I don't need anything else. All I need is that I'm right with God. All I need is that I know when I, when I leave this world, I'm going to see Him. I'm going to live with Him forever. That's all I need. But God promised a whole lot more, didn't He? Amen. Man's greatest need has always been spiritual healing. Mark 8 and 36 says, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? None of this stuff matters if I'm not right with God. I can have the body of Adonis. I can have this perfect physical specimen. I can have all the wealth in the world. All the fame, popularity, whatever it is I want. But if I'm not right with God, folks, that stuff is going to burn. My Adonis body is going to get old some, some, at some point. 
And it ain't going to be Adonis anymore. We are exhorted to bring all of our needs to Jesus. Whether they be physical or spiritual, God can take care of them all. All right, divine healing. We believe in, preach, teach, and practice divine healing. We believe, we know that God still heals today. We know that for a fact. We've seen it in our own lives. We've seen it in the lives of other people. Mark 16, 17, and 18 says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. We are to cast out devils, folks. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. And if it doesn't happen immediately, we keep asking. We keep seeking. We keep knocking. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. We ought to demonstrate the same faith and determination that the paralytic and his friends showed when seeking an answer for their situation from Jesus. However, typically what we do, generally speaking, we'll ask a few times, and when the answer doesn't come, we're going to try something else. Or we'll come to the conclusion that prayer doesn't work. Or we'll come to the conclusion that God's not real after all. I mean, people go off into crazy areas. We need to wait on God. This is something else that as Christians, I think we would do well to learn early on. I would have done well to learn early on. is to learn to wait. Learn to wait on God. But sometimes that process is difficult. And we can be tempted to succumb to discouragement. Because in our tarrying, in our waiting, you're going to have someone approach you and come talk to you about this. The enemy is going to come and he's going to say, God doesn't care. God hasn't heard you. God's displeased with you. Whatever it might be. But He's going to come and He's going to lie to you. The Apostle Paul understands this whole thing. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10, he talks about this. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. I like how he phrased that. Given to me. A thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. He's praying very specific. This is the Apostle Paul, folks. If God is hearing anyone, he's hearing the Apostle Paul. Paul's given everything in service to Jesus Christ. God has healed Countless people through Paul's ministry. Saved countless people through Paul's ministry. Delivered countless people through Paul's ministry. And Paul is asking for something for himself. I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's the answer Paul got. The thorn in the flesh remains. Paul, it's there for my purpose. 
It's there for your perfection. What was Paul's response to that? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities in persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's always difficult for us to imagine a scenario where a healing is not in our best interest. I can't imagine it. If I'm sick, if I'm broken in some way, I want God to heal me. And I got all the reasons. I can better serve you. I'm more, I have more strength. I can go longer for you. I can do this. I can't do that right now. But God's purposes are sometimes served in these situations. When I am sick, I have, I have discovered that I draw closer to God quicker, easier. I rely on Him more than when I'm well. Perhaps God has a purpose for our infirmity we can't see right now. Perhaps God's timing is not our timing. Let's let God's purposes be realized in our lives through whatever means He deems uh, to see them realized through. If it's through sickness and infirmity, then so be it. We're going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing for divine healing. But at the same time, I need to understand that there are perhaps situations where that is better for me. That's what I need in the moment. I doubt it's through the abundance of revelations that I have need of it. But... The need is there nonetheless. Spiritual healing is always in our best interest and is always the perfect will and plan of God. There is no scenario, there is no situation where uh, continuing in sin, continuing in carnality is in our best interest. It is always God's perfect will for a spiritual healing. Divine healing I believe in divine healing, folks. We have so many promises concerning it. And if it doesn't happen right away, and I don't get a specific answer like Paul got, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep bothering him. Me again. Me. Hello. How about that answer? How about that healing? Importunity. Amen. The scribes doubted Jesus. Those who were experts in the law of Moses correctly stated that only God can forgive sins. They weren't wrong when they said that. 
They were absolutely correct. Only God can forgive sins. Now, can I forgive people? Of course I can. We're commanded to, right? If you wrong me in any way, and I am tempted to feel anger or resentment or whatever, I need to forgive you. Now, does my forgiving you make you right with God? Absolutely not. I can't take care of that for you. I can get this right. I can't help you with this, though. That's between you and God. Only God can forgive that. Only God can forgive that. I can't forgive that for you. I can forgive you for me. We're good. But I can't make you right with God because of that. That's something else entirely. That is God's purview. If I murder someone's family and they forgive me, praise God. But I'm still on death row and I'm still accountable to God for that until I make it right with God. Only God can forgive sins. Therefore, this man must be blasphemous. Man cannot act in the place of God. Who does this Jesus think He is? Now see, that's, that's the disconnect, isn't it? They were absolutely correct in stating that only God can forgive sins. What they were absolutely way off based on was who Jesus was. Jesus was God manifest in flesh. He does have the power, the authority to forgive sins. And Jesus knew their reasonings and their thoughts, and He confronts them head on. Mark 2 and 8 says, Immediately when Jesus perceived in the Spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, He said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Their statement was correct, but they didn't understand who Jesus was. So, Jesus proceeds to demonstrate to them who He is. After He forgives the man's sins, He heals his body. This act is a confirmation of His deity. We see in Scripture that the deity of Jesus Christ is revealed in two ways. Two main ways. By direct statements that testify Jesus was God in flesh. The other way is by examples of Jesus doing or saying things only God could do or say. John 14, 10 and 11 He's speaking to His disciples here. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in Me? Because someone said, Just show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. can't remember who. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of Myself, but the Father that dwelleth in Me, He doeth the works. Believe Me that I am in the Father, and the Father in Me, or else believe Me for the very work's sake. So the works, the things that He did that only God could do, demonstrates His deity. The things that He says that only God could say, I forgive you. Your sins be forgiven you. That's something only God can say. A healing alone does not demonstrate deity. God can use anyone or use anyone to heal someone. If God has ever used you 
You've prayed for someone and they've received a healing. That doesn't confirm that you're Jesus. Okay, we understand that. So that in and of itself does not confirm deity. I can forgive you of all the wrongs you commit against me, but you're still accountable to them for God. I can't forgive your sins and make you right with God. But when Jesus forgave the man's sins and then healed him, we know now that he is God manifest in the flesh. God still forgives sins today. Acts 5, 29-32 says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. He said that a lot. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be, the prince, to be a prince and a Savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey Him. God is not a man, and He does not think or act like a man. And we need to stop thinking that He does. When someone offends me, it can be very difficult for me to forgive that individual. And it can be difficult for you to forgive that individual. Because we want justice. I've been wronged. And if I just forgive him and let him get away with it, he's just going to do it again. He's got to learn his lesson. We can come up with all kinds of reasons. But God is not like that. And when I've offended you, and I know that I've offended you, I have difficulty approaching you because I know that it's hard to forgive. When I've offended God, God doesn't operate like I operate. He's not a man. He doesn't operate like a man. He is quick to forgive. He desires to forgive. He's waiting for me to come so that He can forgive and make it right. He desires to forgive us at all times. Hebrews 4 and 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when I have offended God, when I have sinned, when I've fallen short, we respond, I suppose depending on our, our past circumstances, past dealings with people, parents, etc., we respond to these things in different ways. Sometimes we feel like we got to make it right. I mean, it can't just I can't just come to God and and he makes it right and it's done, it's gone. That can't be it. I got to do something. I got to do something to show him that I'm repentant. I got to do something to, to show him that I'm I'm sorry and 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 I understand the severity of 
So I, you know, I beat myself up or I, I, I try to do something. To, I can't think of an example. But I fall into works. I fall into some kind of work to make it right between me and God. To show Him in, in some small capacity that I understand what I did and I'm, I'm trying to make it right. But I can't. See, that's the whole thing. I can't make it right. It's impossible for me to make it right. If I fail God one time. If I try to make it right, I'm going to spend eternity paying for that. Making it right. God is not looking for me to make it right. God is looking for me to come to Him and ask Him to make it right. That's what He desires. That's what He wants. He doesn't want to send people to hell. He doesn't want me to pay for my mistakes myself or you or anyone else. He loves us. He hung on a cross and died for us so that He could make it right. So that He could forgive our sins. So that we wouldn't have to make it right. So I don't have to beat myself up. I don't have to condemn myself for a week and a half before I can finally feel like God has finally forgiven me. He forgives me as soon as I ask. He makes it right. Right then. Immediately. In whatever situations I've found myself in the past, I mean, people are people, folks. We offend people, and, I mean, depending on the person, <laughs> good luck. Hope it works out for you. But they may never forgive me. I may never get forgiveness or restitution with someone because of something dumb that I said, ignorant that I did. But I can make that right with God. I can tell God, I'm sorry that I offended this person. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I'll do what I can to make it right with them. But after that, folks, I mean, there's, I'm right with God. I'm right with God. God loves me. God wants the very best for us. He wants us to move forward in Him. We're going to make mistakes. People are going to make mistakes with us. Let's demonstrate Jesus, shall we? Let's forgive as He has forgiven us. I know it's difficult. I know we want justice. We'll talk about that in the next service. Justice has been taken care of on the cross, folks. Whatever I've done against you, whatever you've done against me, whatever we've done against God, it's taken care of at Calvary. So now, just as I'm free to love because Jesus first loved me, I can freely forgive because Jesus first forgave me. What a wonderful, wonderful situation to find ourselves in. 
that we have received the love of God, that we have received the forgiveness of God, that we have received His name, we've received the earnest of our inheritance, we've received so much from God. Can't we freely give to someone else who has need of that right now? Amen. We can love one another. We can love ourselves. We need to love ourselves. Not in a sick or arrogant way, but like Jesus loves us. We can love ourselves the same way Jesus does. He created us. He created us with love. He created us with purpose. We're worth it. We're worthy of it. Jesus has made us worthy of it. Amen. This is the best life. In conclusion, physical healing is possible through Jesus Christ. We should pray and we should expect people to be healed in their bodies. But spiritual healing is even more important. It should be our first priority. Ideally, we'll experience both like the paralytic did. But should we remain unhealed physically, may God give us the grace to be grateful to receive what we need most and still make our priority our relationship with the Lord. When He doesn't give healing, He gives grace to endure. Amen. And that might be what I need most at the moment. In this account, we also get a glimpse close to the beginning of Jesus' ministry that Jesus was not just a man. He was God in flesh. Jesus used physical healing as proof that He had the authority to forgive sins. By miraculously showing He had the authority to forgive sins, He revealed He was no mere man, but God in flesh. When we are healed physically, glory to God. And when we are not healed physically, glory to God. Let's be thankful we are saved and let's exalt Jesus as God in flesh. If we don't get everything that we desire, everything that we want, folks, we have everything that we could possibly need in Jesus Christ. Amen. When we read this story, we likely tend to see ourselves in the role of the paralytic in need of healing. We should also seek to fulfill the role of the friends. The paralytic would have remained as he was, unhealed and unforgiven if he had not had someone to bring him to Jesus. Jesus wants to use us to bring others to him. According to your gifts and talents, according to your several ability. It may be inconvenient. It may require us to do things we might not necessarily be inclined to do. These four friends weren't inclined to dig holes in someone else's roof. But what joy they experienced in being instrumental in their friend being forgiven and healed. The former paralytic never forgot what they had done for him. In the remaining time we have as we wait for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. May God use us greatly to bring others to Jesus for healing spiritually and physically. Amen. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for You. We are thankful for the Word that has went forth. Help us to receive it. Help us to possess it. Help us to act on it today. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that those things that You have given, that we receive them and that we in turn give them to others. Love. Forgiveness. Amen. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name for the remainder of our service, that Your name would be lifted up and exalted, magnified, that Your perfect will would be done. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your kind attention. We'll be